Hi, my name is Jamie, and this is my co-host Mel, the mother to my sexual fantasies. Oh my god, good. And this is new <laughs> crime, guys. Hello, Jamie, and hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of our delicious podcast. Boo Crime. Yes. <laughs> the name. Yes, the name. I'm very excited for today and also extremely nervous. Why are you nervous, Jamie? Because if y'all remember from last week, we are covering Doom Asylum mm-hmm. today, and it. The only way I can describe it is it's everything and nothing at the same time. So it's, I don't don't even know how to explain it. All I know is I had to take three shots of whiskey before I got on this recording because my notes are garbage and I'm just hoping the alcohol will provide some extra confidence to, you know, bring out the joy of this movie that you can only really get from watching it. That you can only really get from watching the Tubi version because we learned that whatever's on YouTube has been snip snipped. Mm-hmm. Snip snap. When we were talking about it, you were like, oh, it's on YouTube, like for free. But we we both knew it was on Tubi. But yeah. whenever today, whenever I was finishing up my notes, I went on the YouTube version because I figured it'd be easier to do that on my computer. And when I noticed the cutscenes, I was like, oh, fuck, I hope Mel use the Tubi version, which yeah, you did. Because if not, it's two different versions. So yeah. we would recommend downloading Tubi for free or like mm-hmm. on your smart TV or going online and making an account because you're going to get the full version. And while revisiting this movie, I felt like pre-antibiotic of last week. If you guys tuned into last week's episode, you will have learned that I was very sick for six. Mm-hmm. I had a six day fever. This movie brought me right back into the hysteria, the confusion, <laughs> the unsuredness of like what the fuck is happening and is my brain on fire the insanity of it all which is perfect because we're in an asylum baby like let's oh, just yeah. get crazy let's 100%. go percent. let's do this <laughs> just the name doom asylum too like uh you know i feel like well mel did we describe how we came across yeah no we did that last yeah, week but yeah a little blur but we can we can yeah, revisit re- let's revisit okay mel take it so i'd say what like three four years ago Mm -hmm. something like that we came home from a Halloween party to my old apartment I had this big giant couch um, and we'd often after partying in the downtown core of Ottawa crawl back into that dingy third floor apartment (laughs) and Jamie in zombie mode at like four five six in the morning some ungodly hour would grab my remote go onto Tubi choose a film of what she thinks everybody's going to enjoy and then proceed to fall asleep with the remote in her hands you can't change it oh you can't change it we're watching this no literally anytime somebody reaches for the remote or something i will wake up and be like no i'm not sleeping i was never asleep what my eyes are always like this um but we i was so blown away by what like what is happening that i watched it again the next day 
<laughs> I watched it immediately again the next day and was still, if not more confused about the choices characters make, about the dialogue in the mm-hmm. film, the script, everything is, it's so bad. It full circles to, I love it. Oh, it's cult level good, which is, is like potentially like mainstream bad <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it actually had so such meta. an impact, such an impact because we had one of our other friends was sleeping over. Steph, mm-hmm. if you're listening, shout out. Sorry, you're not on this episode. <laughs> but she genuinely dislikes most of the garbage that we put on. <laughs> but she yeah, is really obsessed. <laughs> like, didn't she get you a Christmas present? Oh, I got her. A, I got her a shirt from I don't know what website. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, that credit card, probably like the fraud. <laughs> um, but it got here. So I whatever. Blessed. I got her a T-shirt of the movie cover on it. So. Yeah. She actually DM'd us once we posted mm-hmm. in our stories what like our teaser and she was just like, I can't believe I'm not on this episode. So we have to make it up to her in the future. I know a few movies that she fucking hates. So, and I also know a few movies she loves. We could go either way. Yeah, we'll flip a coin. But I definitely feel like based off of just searching photos and things about the movie, there's a lot of like content out there. So I feel like Doom Asylum is probably considered like cult level. Definitely. amongst horror fans like i i imagine like the few people i mean a lot of people liked our teaser that you posted mm-hmm. um but a few people that had liked it i know for a fact are like horror fanatics so i feel like if they know. you know you know you'll know it and yeah. if you don't know, we're about to cover it. So, like, strap in. And Jamie's going to run us through some IMDb facts. I love how you're just sighing aggressively into your microphone. <laughs> oh, wait. It wasn't muted? <laughs> if we were to ever do, like, a live show, I was thinking about in the future, if we ever did a live show, how would we do it? Would we make somebody or the crowd watch a whole movie and then talk about it? But no, that'd be way too long. We would have to, instead of doing voice clips, do audio clips is what I imagined. Like we would be on stage. We would have told everybody before the show what movie we were doing. And then we would talk about it on stage and show clips instead. So I feel like if we ever were to do this, it would have to be Doom Asylum. Because again, please, I know we say you don't have to watch the movie and you still don't. (laughs) We'll explain it to you the best we can. But if you can watch Doom Asylum, please just do it. And if you don't have Tubi because you're from another country and you're like, what the fuck is that? Just find whatever app it is that's free (laughs) that has just shit movies. It's on that one. Plex. Yeah. (laughs) It's on Plex. I'm sure of it. It's also, honestly, guys, like even if you need to watch the YouTube version, I don't know what's missing from it, but I'm sure it's most of the movie. So yeah, for sure. And also, Mel, I don't know if you can hear if I'm like, bunny right now one of my dogs is chewing on a bone beside me and i'm in Mm -hmm. like one of those situations where it's like do i stop her from doing that but then she no you let her do it anyways if you hear anything just imagine the most adorable french bulldog okay and then don't get mad at us also this is a horror podcast so the sound of teeth against bone is just this this the soundtrack of our life actually you know what one of my cats boba just entered the area and now bunny wants to attack boba so no more chewing 
We just might get the howling of tortured screams. I'm scratching her butt and she's happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways. Get us through that let's IMDb, get, baby. Right? We don't want a three-hour episode. And also, okay, one more thing, guys. I just want to apologize on behalf of the podcast for the three-hour episode last week. Moving forward, we plan on trying to make things shorter. But if we do feel like it is going to be lengthy, in the middle, at the perfect point... We will tell you, this is your time now. If you want to take a break, stop. And then we'll do a little recap, okay? That's what I was thinking. So then if you want to pause it, you can. But again, we're going to try really hard to keep it under. I'm also going to just jump in and say that JR has six to seven long hour episodes of a podcast. So three hours is just, that's a treat. It's a treat yeah. in comparison. I mean, I'm not one of those people who like shorter podcasts, so I don't understand it. That That's also because at my job, I could literally listen to podcasts all day. So, mm-hmm. of course, I want longer episodes because, you know. So, tonight we're doing Doom Asylum. This movie is rated R and it was made in 1987, the year of our Lord Mel. Thank you so much. You're welcome, you younger bitch. Okay, can I also <laughs> just say, though, that this movie is also billed as being from 1988, so also, oops, maybe not. <laughs> okay, so it's rated R, made in 1987. Eight. <laughs> the director is Richard Friedman, and the writers are also Richard Friedman, Rick Marks, Stephen G. Mencken. Sorry, I thought his <laughs> name was just Stephen G. I was like, whoa, Mencken. And it stars... Patty Mullen, Ruth Collins, somebody named Kristen Davis, who you might recognize that name, William Hay, Kenny L. Price, Harrison White, Don Alvin, Farron, Michael Rogan, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Sorry, everybody else. (laughs) Sorry, other three people. (laughs) I like literally could just name them, but I'm like, no. If you guys want to learn more, go to our not sponsored uh, shout out IMDb where we pull all of our quick facts from for our intros. For sure. And the budget of this movie is a cold, hard 90 grand. (laughs) But I mean, realistically, 90 grand back in 1987 would probably be like 500 grand nowadays, I feel like because of inflation. 100%. Okay, yes. I'm going to say you're probably so right about that. It says estimated 90k. And I'm going to estimate that they maybe made half if not a a third back Back. from this movie over time because it's for free on Tubi. Um, The only thing that uh, generates revenue are the ads that come every 15 minutes. So I don't know. Well, you know what, though, because you could get a t shirt for Steph. And like Mm. I said, it's probably like cult level amongst horror movie fans. It really depends on if they've given like rights out for people to be able to like share their products. And if I doubt it, (laughs) well, yeah, whatever company they bought from, hopefully they have like a royalty. I bet you anything. It's somebody in their basement. They they sold like (laughs) their entire movie concept for like 500 bucks. I don't know. I bet you. It's the one guy in his basement with a nice silkscreen printer who made that t-shirt and the people of this movie. I mean, Richard Friedman probably made zero dollars off of my purchase. 
Um, yeah. A fun little fact that I just saw in their filming location, they actually filmed at a sanatorium in New Jersey. <gasps> Mel, that's Cropsy. That's Cropsy's fucking sanatorium. The Essex Mountain Sanatorium? Don't even say it. So, yeah, um, just a quick Google. Uh, the sanatorium from Cropsy was actually on Staten Island, baby. Mob wives. Uh. Okay. I thought it was New Jersey. And then I was going to say how many fucking sanatoriums are in New Jersey. <laughs> Apparently only one. And then another one in Staten Island. Yeah. that's Those are the only two. And they're all shut down. That's oh, for Googling another day. Are those I, farts? Dog I farts? apologize. That's um, Taro getting jealous that Bunny is attacking the cat. And she also wants to attack the cat, but she knows mommy will get mad at her. No. Are you right? Are you ready to jump in? I'm ready to take us in. Another I haven't sigh. put on any deodorant yet after I showered today, but yes, it's I am ready. Sweating. You know what? You're starting, so you'll get us in the groove. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get I'm us ready. right in the groove. Oh, yeah. And one quick thing before we actually do start. Does the dog die? No, they don't. No dogs, no animals. Everybody is safe. Even the little mouse that we see a little bit later in this <gasps> I literally have in my notes. <laughs> All of the... Okay. I know. I will get to that. We'll so. Get to it. You know what? Let's start off this film with some chill summer vibes. We are cruising down the street on a gorgeous day with a funky rendition of House of the Rising Sun (laughs) playing loudly in the background. We, the viewers, we jump into a white convertible that's speeding along with neither passenger paying attention to the road. (laughs) The driver is a city slicker in a light kind of beige-ish suit his curly brown mullet is fluttering in the breeze (laughs) and he's guzzling champagne and letting it spill all over his white crisp dress shirt now in the passenger seat sits a beautiful farrah fawcett layered type hairstyle blonde lady and she's staring into a vintage gold mirror before she shouts in a cute little betty boop accent long beach here we come and now I'm not even worried about them being pulled over for distracted DUIs because it's the 80s. Let's rock and roll. Oh, for sure. If they got pulled over, the cop would be like, hook me up with the swig. <laughs> now run along here, you crazy kids. <laughs> so we learn really quickly why they're celebrating. Our blonde leading lady here, Judy, she just won a $5 million lawsuit, which like Jamie said back in the 80s is probably like $15 billion today. Yeah. Inflation. Yes. So she states that she'll never have to do another manicure again. And she's really looking forward to shipping her kid off to boarding school so that she can enjoy her new fabulous life with her lover, Mitch, who's our driver. So at the prospect of orphaning a child, Mitch cheerses the air with his bottle of champagne. And then Judy cheerses his penis by pouring half the bottle of bubbly onto it. Audio... (laughs) inserted here now with his penis just soaking wet in that good grape juice they continue to profess their love for each other before passionately kissing everything in life is going their way except for the oncoming white van in the opposite lane (laughs) mitch swerves the convertible and crash and first scene yeah i mean that first scene i had (laughs) a few good laughs one at the fact that yeah she poured champagne on his dick (laughs) 
two that it like literally they show them like screaming as the trucks coming towards them twice the exact same way back to back so it's like they didn't do enough in the first take so they just doubled that take oh and then God, also notice. <laughs> it's like that truck or i mean that van cube thing is like yeah so far away when it's he first so notices there's no reason in hell that he couldn't have just put on the brakes <laughs> But except for the fact that he's chugging champagne, maybe. Yeah, he's I don't wasted. Know. But well, uh, I was thinking yeah. also, like, why didn't he just, you know, just go back in his lane? Because it is, it's like 40 feet away. Just all you have to do is pull over a little bit. Just don't don't drive into the car as it's coming towards you, you know? Yeah. No, especially if you just won five million dollars. I know you guys have everything to live for. Mm. But you know what? We wake up face first in some tall grass with Mitch and he's calling for Judy. Oh, he's calling for her. He's only got a light head wound. I just want you guys to put that in your back pocket right here. It's a very, very light head wound. It doesn't even look like he's been in an accident. No, totally. Just a little scratch on his head, but his suit is a bit shredded. It is covered in some blood. Um, I don't think his head was bleeding that much. So whose blood could it be? Well, we're going to crawl over to his love, Judy. She's in much worse shape, okay? <laughs> he grabs for her tender hand to comfort her as she moans in pain. And then he proceeds to lift the severed appendage <laughs> from the ground and screams at it before tossing it just carelessly aside. So she was right about never having to do a manicure again. Well, at least not on her <laughs> right hand, honey. <laughs> we hear some silence, silence, some sirens wailing in the background. And Judy tells him not to worry. The doctor will take care of her. It'll be <laughs> fine. She loves him forever. And we fade to a sign that says autopsy room. So uh, maybe not Judy. Yeah. My favorite part of that scene is whenever he like takes the hand and throws it and like disgust, but then like <laughs> reaches for her stump arm and like holds that instead. <laughs> He just wants the parts that are still connected to her, the parts that are still beating. Yeah. And then also I remembered oh, my dogs are having way too much fun right now. I also remembered that uh, the other funny thing is that I had a shitty ex-boyfriend named Mitch. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, hey, fucking loser. I hope we find you in the autopsy room soon, sir. He crashed and totaled my car. So it's a it's Mitch just thing. In the name. It's, it's a, a Mitch, Mitch thing, thing guys. <laughs> So speaking of doctors, let's go to this new autopsy room where it's like, I don't know, everybody looked like they were kind of okay minus Judy's hand, but we come in, we come in by the cold metal slab where a naked man's body is laying. It's being looked over by two coroners. So one coroner in sunglasses asks the other, who do we have today? And doctor number two says Mitch Hansen, a palimony attorney. So I was confused <gasps> about Mitch being dead because, you know, he was fine with his yeah, minor head wound. I didn't know he was a prosecutor or lawyer. Yeah, that makes sense as to why they won that case. Mm -hmm. But the sunglasses guy, this is what distracted me and pulled me out of the scene completely. Sunglasses coroner proceeds to take a bite out of a sandwich. So him being a lawyer or attorney, it's no longer any of my concern. But they go ahead and remind us that Mitch won a huge multi-million dollar case anyways. So foot long in one hand, scalpel in the other, coroner sunglasses begins to slice up Mitch's body while the other doctor covers his mouth and starts gag burping so disgustingly <laughs> loud. And I'm just asking him, why are you in this field, sir? 
Yeah, doctor. Get it together. Yeah, doctor. So we pan to Mitch now. We know it's him there. They they called him by name. And I hope that everyone and Jamie, I hope everyone in, is just as confused as I am here because his face is fucked. He looks like he has been dead for at least a week or more. His tendons are exposed. His eyes are all sunken in. We remember him from the crash. He had a single scratch on his forehead. And like... Is this the result of doing sur- his surgery with his dark sunglasses on, Mr. Coroner? The ambulance ran him over on the way to, like, fucking pick him up, apparently. <laughs> the ambulance did him dirty. I don't know if they strapped him to the gurney or just let him bounce wildly in the trunk. In the back. It's like a Mr. Bean episode. Like, they get him in and they start driving away and then the doors open and he just, like, slides <laughs> out and you hear, like, <laughs> He slides out the little cart trolley he's on flips upside yeah. down and they drag it the rest of the way to the hospital face first because he is he looks like a zombie. Anyways, <laughs> Marvin, we learn the queasy coroner, he notices Mitch Mitch's completely disfigured hand and his fingers are twitching. So he alerts Mr. Sunglasses that this man is not dead. Mitch's eyes are now wide open and just staring at the two of them. Sunglasses <laughs> says no, this is nonsense. It's just rigor mortis setting in. But Mitch is now sitting up asking them what happened. Where's Judy? <laughs> Where's my best girl, Judy? Where's my best Judy? Where's my best Judy? I Is this going to become like an iconic queer film now? Oh, I would love that. Yeah, so we got to find her again. Yeah. That's the core plot. And I also want to mention again, like his torso looks fine, but his head and hands look like they have been put through a meat grinder. So our two coroners, they let him know Judy didn't make it, sir. So Mitch then goes ahead and he stabs the queasy doc in the chest with a scalpel and then chases sunglasses around the autopsy room before stabbing him as well. And we end our scene with a bucket of guts that falls over and spills. And I don't know if those are Mitch's or not. Whose guts are those? That's what I'm saying. Are they are those Mitch's guts? Because on like he's a zombie then. This is now a zombie movie. It is a hundred percent. And um, I had a few questions during that autopsy too. You pretty much touched on all of them. I'm also wondering before any cutting happens, like maybe, maybe we came in after they, no, cause they said, who do we have? Like they haven't yeah. touched him yet. So yeah, where the fucking guts come from? <laughs> Number two, why does the queasy doctor have pink, assuming to be blood stains on his white little frock? What the fuck is he drinking some Kool-Aid before to go <laughs> with abysmal. his buddy's sandwich? Buddy, too, the one doctor who's eating a sandwich, he looks really familiar. I don't know why. He does. But he does. He reminds me of, like, somebody who would be in a movie like They Live. Totally. And then I know you said that he stabbed them with a scalpel. But when I was just watching it just before now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just before we did this, yes. Here's what I noticed. When he sat up. He had a huge piece of metal in his neck, which I'm assuming Jamie. is from the car crash, which we didn't see when he was no. comforting his dying girlfriend. But anyways, fine. there's a huge piece of metal. It looks like a like a like a wrench kind of in his neck. Oh my god. And then the next scene, it's not. And I was like, where the fuck did that thing go? And then he stabs the fucking doctors so i was like he literally pulled out of his neck a piece of metal and stabbed them like it's not a scalpel oh my god it's a piece of metal from a car that is in his neck that magically appeared after that the ambulance hit him 
Jamie, <laughs> this little mysterious piece of neck shrapnel is such a good find. You did so good. You were some oh, you. on some detective level shit. You know what? I, I can tell you weren't wearing sunglasses during that scene and you were able to do your job because of it. Yeah, 100%. So let's roll into the opening credits. We come in over an abandoned asylum, which we found out is real. It's in Jersey. I forget the name. IMDb, thank you. Um, the sound bites here are very strange. It's like a vintage Halloween sounds tape. There's moaning, there's screaming, there's baby crying, there's uh, <laughs> pigeon wing fluttering. So let's have a listen here. Um, we're gonna insert a little a little snack for you here. Now, I for all of you Room fans out there, I just want to mention that they use the same font for the credits as they do for that movie, and it's called Review, in case anybody wants to use it on an upcoming project. <laughs> you can go find it. I love that, and I 100% make a Room reference after, so I love that we're on the same fucking brainwave. Jamie, I think I've got two or three Room references in yeah. here, and we haven't even seen it that recently. It just... Something about the audacity of this movie kind of makes you go there, right? Yeah. We have to cover the room one day and we'll just call it true crime. Yeah, we will. We will. Because it, it, uh, the true crime is that it didn't blow up when it first came out. That's the actual the tr- crime. The true crime is that someone's career surprisingly didn't die <laughs> during the making of it. Multiple so- careers were made. <laughs> it's yeah it's a it's a coming of age story (laughs) anyways we get some shots from around the building and it is graffitied to fucking hell there are things like satin instead of satan written on it like s-a-t-e-n thank you bunny for chiming in that's actually oscar because bunny sat on him and he's pissed and he tried to bite her with his no teeth mouth (laughs) guys we have to like okay i promise we will post on our instagram a picture of all of the animals we have so and with their names, like we'll just put like little, um, mm-hmm. uh, what are they called? Uh, thirds, like those thirds that you have on your, uh, whenever you're doing a documentary, lower thirds. Yes. The lower oh third. my God, yeah, the lower third. And we'll we'll give you each of their names. So whenever we eventually talk about them, you'll know. I love that. We're going to profile all of the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of the 17 we'll be posting, I have one. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> all the rest are mine. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So yeah, you guys, I'm going to be trying to keeping keep my eyes peeled for more of this badass street art. Uh, the satin instead of Satan was really very delicious for my soul to see. Mm. Um, and we get, you know, we get some shots of the inside too. It is disheveled. The paint is peeling off the walls. Every single window in the place is basically shattered. We get a shot of something that looks like an old chapel inside, and there's a Metallica logo (laughs) over (laughs) where the priest would stand next to the words, the chicken woman, which I was very interested in finding out about her, but we don't, sadly. (laughs) Spoilers. So we pan back outside again to more sick wall art. This time, sadomasochism is spelled so incredibly wrong that I actually took a screenshot and I'm going to post some of these findings on our Insta at Bukheim Podcast. And we end our tour of this old building on a silhouette in the dark halls. Our boy Mitch stands there as a soundbite of him asking, what happened to Judy? <laughs> rings through the halls. 
And a heartbeat. Ooh, that heartbeat noise starts playing as he starts walking towards the camera. Oh, my. He's coming for us. That's just giving me um, Star Wars whenever Anakin finds. He's like, where's Padme? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it's perfect because both of them look like they were burnt in some laughs. So it's great. It's perfect. So guys, no, you're not smelling burnt toast. And no, the movie didn't just start replaying. This is the same intro, but new car. We're back at the exact same shot as when the movie started. It is the same road, the same cover of House of the Rising Sun. (laughs) But this time, the words 10 years later fade into our lower thirds. And we see that this is a convertible full of teenagers okay now the plot is starting to make sense abandoned building psychotic zombie coroner lawyer and a car full of teenagers what could go wrong nothing so nothing at all and everything that's what this movie is everything and nothing at all it is the yin and yang it is balance it is light and dark Sitting up on the back seat, we meet Darnell, and he's teasing our nerdy gal pal Jane, um, who Jamie mentioned earlier. She's played by Kristen Davis. Uh, some may know her from Sex and the City. Charlotte. And uh, yes, I didn't know her name from that, but thank you for adding that little tidbit. And he de- he's decidedly, he's going to make some scary noises at her to freak her out on the way to this old abandoned asylum. And we notice, well, I noticed that Darnell is wearing a gold chain with his necklace of his name. And I love that energy. I love the confidence. We also meet a little nerdy boy. He's in a baseball cap. His name is Dennis. He's also sitting up in the back with them. (laughs) And we learn a little bit about the old urban legend that haunts this abandoned asylum. I'm just getting in the mood. The coroner's waiting to take me to Beulah Land. You don't really believe that old story. How ridiculous. A man who lurks around a deserted asylum and kills people with autopsy tools? Sure. Well, what about when those kids came back from here with their faces slashed, babbling? And that dude they found in the sewer? That was just some old bum. What about those missing campers? Look, will you guys be cool? So I just want to ask again, as an audience member who saw the intro, Mitch was a lawyer, but I guess you're never too old for a career change because now he's known as the coroner. <gasps> that was a huge question I had this whole movie because I was like, <laughs> he's he's not a fucking coroner, guys. No, he's like they literally said he was a pedantic uh, prosecutor. I don't really know. Pedantic? The word, but I said I said them earlier. <laughs> I'm just making I'm making things up. But to clear the air, our driver, Mike, oh, our handsome driver, his blonde slick back hair, he tells the three in the back to shush up because they're disturbing his girlfriend, Kiki, who looks surprisingly similar to our late Judy. And we get another little nugget of information about Kiki's background. Are you all right, Kiki? I guess so. It's just... Just that this is where my mother died. Do you want me to stop? I will if you want to, Kiki. 
So Mike tells Kiki that he'll pull over if it's too hard for her, and our nerd Jane rolls her eyes and sasses him using psychological terminology that I don't care to repeat. I just think it's rude to be like, oh, are you traumatized over your mother's untimely death? Like, let's just keep going, girl. What are you even slowing down about? I don't even think she's a nerd. I think that she's just a girl who has big glasses because, like, she's just a bitch. She's just (laughs) a bitch. She's just a bitch with big glasses Mm -hmm. and a vernacular of psychotherapy terms. And no vagina. Hold that in your back pocket. Put it in your back pocket if you have a back pocket in the bathing suit you're wearing. (laughs) So, you know, Kiki is fine with going forward, but our gang pulls over just so Mike can give her a pep talk anyways. He says her mother was a wonderful person. Probably never met her. And if there's a heaven, she has a box seat. (laughs) But just then... Out of all the places they could have pulled over, Kiki notices something on the ground. She starts digging through the tall grass and she finds her mom's shattered gold mirror. Like, what are the chances? What is it? My mother's? Yeah, no, there is it's no just chance. An- there's no chance. It's just insanity. But the sentimental moment here, it doesn't last for too long. The three friends still waiting in the car summon their friends oh so gently with this. Let's go, assholes! Come on, guys. She died 10 years ago. I'm hungry. So yeah, this movie has so many delicious moments. It is going to be hard not to re- actually record the entire thing. Yeah. Um. So if this episode ends up being three hours, I promise it's not as talking. It's literally the movie. Yeah, 100%. Mike continues to tell Kiki he thinks it's going to be all right. And she has him now. He's not her mother, but he can try. I'm not your mother, and I never could be. But I can try. Can I call you mom? So Mike is no longer Mike for the remainder of this film. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a joke, like a cute joke that you say between Mm -hmm. boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's see if that's what it turns out to be. (laughs) Not. It doesn't. It's I also, too, didn't realize what it was going to be until we literally don't hear Mike really for the rest of the movie. I go back and forth, but maybe I will just call him mom the whole time just to not confuse people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. I will also do the same thing because Mm -hmm. I was going based off of his name, but if she's not going to, then we don't have to either. Yeah. So our gang, they get all back in the car. They get going. They roll up to the asylum and we get to see a danger slash keep out building condemned banner as they get there and we realize very quickly they are not alone a dark electro noise communist anarcho punk band of girls seem to have set up for band practice should we include a little clip of what they sound like oh my god no then everybody's gonna stop listening but yes do it (laughs) okay here she goes It's horrible. It's shit. 
It's so bad. Sorry if you like it. And I mean, we listen to punk music. Like, we go to (laughs) shows. I was in a punk band. Mel's boyfriend is in five punk bands. (laughs) (laughs) None of them sound like it's going to give you diarrhea from the amount of reverb that there is. The brown noise. (laughs) The brown note. It hits it. It hits it. And I just also want to mention, coming into this scene, the effort that this would take for nobody to be there getting the gear up they're clearly on a on a like taller floor so second or third floor they've got amps keyboards drums they are also completely dressed to top it off Mm -hmm. like their hair is done the singer is kind of dressed like a latex madonna with a cone bra and a tutu and and uh thigh yeah thigh high boots the keyboardist she has full crimped hair the drummer is dressed in kind of vinyl brideswear with a uh, what do you call that thing that goes over your head? Uh, the veil? veil? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a veil all done up, all freaky. It makes zero sense. I love it. I hate it. I feel everything for it and also nothing at all. The keyboard player, I like at first I was like, she looks so much like M- Mia Zapata from uh, oh, The yeah. Gits. Yes. R.I.P. But the hair. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Totally. I so see that. Mm-hmm. So from outside, our five preps waltz up and Kiki asks, What's that music? And Darnell lets her know. Oh, baby, that's Tina and the Tots. They play the local sewers. And don't worry, he's going to take care of it. I'm surprised she even called that music. Like, she is so open-minded. Yeah. I'm such a gatekeeper. (laughs) So as Darnell makes it up, this is at around 11 minutes, 32 seconds. I want everybody to clock Tina's blonde hairpiece. I'm going to include screenshots on our Instagram. It has fallen off. It is. She is headbanging and she's frantically also trying to catch it at the same time. (laughs) It's just such a fucking mess. And the fact that they kept this clip in, I'm like, are they trolling us? I don't know if this is supposed to be serious. I'm so happy that you also noticed it because like I was going to make a comment about (laughs) it. And I was like, yeah, there's hair and then there's no hair. But like it's like she's wearing like four different wigs and like two keep falling off. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like she has a clip in braid and then two kind of poodle mm-hmm. afro kind of hair clip. I don't understand it. I hate it and love it and I need it in my life, but also want it to be so gone for me. But and Darnell also wants it to be gone from him because he unplugs their power supply, which I'm not an electrician, but I have a feeling that if you unplug something, it wouldn't cause their gear to start sparking with no power. Oh, 100% no. But that's what happens. So our preps stroll away and Darnell, who's magically back downstairs, flashes a quick middle finger up as Tina and the tots look on from their upstairs window and they realize that they too now have company. So Tina calls him a bastard. The anarcho keyboardist says something about the bourgeoisie in a French or German accent I didn't, that I guarantee will slip as the movie goes on. I, I didn't. I couldn't understand. I played that part like <laughs> 10 times with full volume. And I was like, I don't know what she's saying. And there's no caption option on no. 2B. So I was just like, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, but you know what? That was very special. I really did. I loved it because I'm like, why? But something else even more special happens here, okay? Rapunzel, the drummer, she looks on in full lust at Darnell, who suddenly stops and smiles up to her. And they start zooming in on him, and he's violently licking his lips. 
And then we fade to the most incredible slow-mo fantasy at them running wildly through the tall grass into each other's arms. And as the only two black characters in the film, they obviously have to wind up as a couple, right? Right? Yeah. No, obviously. And maybe die first. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my cough is still here. So I'm like having such a hard time not retching. Why do you make me laugh? <laughs> but let me break up that dreamy fantasy for you guys, because Tina, Tina needs the last laugh. Yeah, I don't think that Tina can read because she's literally like, <laughs> do not enter. <laughs> it is, it's a mess, man. She's a mess. She is a mess. But also, too, just going back a little bit, I had a question, which is, why the fuck does this abandoned, decrepit building have electricity? And it just made me think of, like, The Simpsons, whenever Ralph mm -hmm. and Bart become friends and the electricity is still on at the jail, but they don't realize it is. And so they have to like let, because they're going to do a police demonstration of like how it used to work back in the day. And they're like, they need to know that the electricity is on. So they send like a rocket ship and it lands in Mr. Burns pocket. And then he's like Smithers, there's a rocket in my pocket. And he says, you don't have to tell me, sir. Anyways. It reminded me of that. And then also one other comment is Darnell, his tongue thing. I fucking hate it. And he looks like a fucking oh, frog. It. He looks like a fucking frog. <laughs> he's just, he's just makes me feel so gross. I'm just putting it when there. When they just, I know, I know. They make him come off like such a douche because she's looking down and she's having, I don't know what, I think he's having the fantasy. Maybe they're both having the, the shared psychosis together i think she is having the first one and he has the second yeah. one. Oh yeah 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 a hundred i would I, i'll let everybody yeah, know okay. why <laughs> um but yeah honestly tina also thinks that she got them so good with like hey assholes can't you read um but Jarnell sasses her right back. He tells Tina she should get a job as a porcupine. And then mom tells his friend to chill because they don't want trouble. And Rapunzel must not realize that there's some beef between the two crews because she wants to go and introduce herself to Darnell. <laughs> but meanwhile, underground of the asylum, our lawyer coroner is growling and slowly crawling around some sort of pipe-laden boiling boiler room tunnel system we're gonna see that a few times throughout this movie but jamie take us to the sexy little picnic for sure did you not though in the underground scene feel like you were watching some kind of evil dead movie like perspective of like the demon you know what i mean like whenever they yes in the basement yeah anyways i was getting that vibe so i just wrote the evil dead of it all <laughs> I love it. But anyways, meanwhile, above ground, <laughs> I love that. our new gang that has just arrived have laid out a lovely blanket and they look like they're going to have a picnic and everybody sits down and gets comfy and all of the girls, aka the two girls, just take off their clothes because immediately real talk, why, 
why out of all of the places to sunbathe would you not choose the abandoned (laughs) dilapidated asylum they're literally laying on gravel needles and tall grass that is probably infested with ticks because ticks where they live and they're just laying there on it, like why why there's beaches i'm sure there has to be a beach in, in new jersey jesus christ yeah, it's surrounded by water like literally Sewer go water. to the jersey shore they have beaches yes. there i've seen it on tv yeah we did i can't believe it i like i honestly it was just it bothered me but not even enough to write down because so much else bothered me that i'm like you know what i'm just gonna let it slide if they <laughs> have not heard of the horrors of that thing you get when a tick bites you, Lyme disease. Oh, God. Um, then you know what? I have no hope for them. No. Just let them get murdered. Yeah. It, it's probably better for them if they've been bitten at this point. Anyways, we look back at Darnell because he seems to be the main focus at this moment. And uh, Darnell just wants to let everybody know that he thinks the drama is hot. <laughs> and all I say is don't be a Darnell. Like that's some toxic shit right there. He's like, I love fighting the girls. Yeah, oh, I love. I want to start. I want to. I love the drama. And I was kind of wondering. I'm like, and this is absolutely not a dig or being said in any derogatory way. But like, Darnell is reminding me more of like I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> vibes. I'm like, could he? Did not realize, but he's got a maybe he's bi. Oh, you're getting like some gaydar. A little bit of Gator because he's like, I think that that drama was hot. Like, he just wants to stir, stir some shit up. But then also, he's into Rapunzel, which, like, no problem. Like, let him swing every single way. Let the door swing off its hinges if it so chooses. But I just got a vibe. I'm like, oh, the fact that he's like, I want to go start some shit with these girls upstairs. Don't worry, honey. I'm going to go take care of it. Or, yeah, or it could be that schoolyard thing of, like, I'm a dude and I'm going to go pull on their pigtails a little bit. It could – I was getting both ways, either toxic masculinity or he's a sassy, sassy man. I think Darnell is the type of person who maybe, like, presents and identifies as straight. But, you know, if there's a party happening and everybody's having a good time in the right mood, like he is comfortable with his sexuality enough that if he fools around with a guy, he's cool with that, Mm -hmm. too. You know, listen, Darnell is full of the confidence. He's got a necklace of his name and I truly respect it. I love it. Okay, well, we're just going to pan away from our lovely little picnic that's going on, and we're going to go back and revisit our friends, Tina and the Tots, who are now (laughs) upstairs on the roof of this building. And first of all, I'm living for their looks. They might sound like someone (laughs) having a fucking seizure in an instrument store, but I would 100% watch them. They're yeah. giving me Blondie, they're giving me Madonna, they're giving me Wendy mm-hmm. O. But if you thought that their jam space was impressive, they have a literal green room set up on this roof, <laughs> equipped with condoms and a coffee dispenser that is filled with water. I love it. But it's, that's what I would recognize it as. It's like it's mm-hmm. like a cooler, but it has that little like thing that you have to push down. Usually people put like hot coffee in it and they bring it to like the ice rink. So, again, they're on top of the roof, which is legit a green room with a water cooler. 
And they are using said water cooler to fill up condoms and make water balloons. Tina thinks this is especially funny. And she (laughs) has this little joke to share with us. Make this fucking scumbag big and hard. (laughs) All I have to say is that laugh. It's so confident, yet unsure. (laughs) (laughs) Everything she says, she kind of ends it in a question and then follows it up with a confused cackle, which, I mean, I'm fine with it. I like to also be confident and scared. And I also have a question. When she says, make this fucking scumbag big and hard, is the condom the scumbag? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Good. Good. Perfect. Makes sense to no one. Everything she says makes sense in this movie, Mel. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we're still on the roof and Rapunzel is looking down at Darnell Mm. and he's giving her that fucking toad face again. (laughs) And I hate his sexy faces. I I literally feel violated whenever he does the fucking toad face. I've honestly I don't even know how to handle how much I love like make toad face at me baby like I know mm. <laughs> no so there's something different about this fantasy though like can yeah. you run us through it so again we have the never-ending running scene which is giving me like flashbacks <laughs> to Austin Powers whenever they're like coming at the one yes. guard with that like a uh, smashy machine it's got the big roller on it and they're like <laughs> 500 feet away and it's going like two fucking centimeters yes. an hour and the guy's just standing there going ah, but he just won't get out of the way that's what this scene is like giving me mm-hmm. <laughs> and also I paused to take a note and all I have to say is work neck Rapunzel's oh. back and arm muscles holy fucking she's, shit you could see her back she's muscles ripped. from the front she's ripped but this daydream She's so doesn't end in a sweet embrace looking up at the mm-hmm. sky. This daydream ends in some pure, unadulterated air humping. <laughs> oh, I called it air fucking. Ooh. Oh, my God, <laughs> Jamie. I, I love it. I love that you also called it thinking that she had the first fantasy of them sweetly kissing at the end. Yeah. And he, when he's toad facing at her he's thinking about oh he's just entering her body thrust fucking that's that's a good term like thrust fuss fuck fussing thrusting thrusting thrucking they're thrucking thrucking they're thrucking um also did you notice how loud the birds were they were so aggressively loud during the slow motion cutscenes. mel so loud every animal in this movie which is like two are so fucking loud but we'll get there the sound bites, if they overlaid audio for nature and um, like, what do they call it? Just like background, natural background noise. Yeah. They accidentally turned the gain up for that. And then everything else is. The speaker quiet. was in the nest. It was in the nest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this fantasy is finished. And Godiva, our lovely German French friend, pops in. With the less offensive but still completely offensive N-word. That's all I have to say about that. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, while trying to sound woke. But not a good look. I wish Tubi had subtitles for this fucking bitch. Because, like, I still don't know I wrote them down. what she says. But I do know that it's definitely not a 
PC thing to be saying nowadays. But back then, maybe that was the coined term, but I still just feel uncomfortable with her saying it. So I have written down what she said, and she calls Darnell a white N-word, but not with the hard R, ends in an O. I'm not going to say that ever. And she says he has forgotten the perils of his own people and has assimilated to the terror of modern imperialism. And to me, she's somehow so woke on her social commentary that she's kind of gone full circle into being racist. Yeah, she's speaking on behalf of another culture and race that she should be just like listening to and not stereotypes or whatever impressions that she's getting. But anyways, this movie is not about politics. There are no hidden Mm -hmm. Easter eggs. So we're not going to get into that too much. Oh, not even a little bit. But we just have to point out yuck. Huge yuck. Huge barf emoji right here. Yeah. But we're not talking to her anymore anyways. We're back at the picnic. We do a lot of this Mm. back and forth, so just stick with us. So all I have written in my notes is Dennis doesn't fit in this group. He's coming off more like someone's little dorky brother. He loves trading cards. He came out to to today to the asylum to just look at that deck for like the 500th time. I swear to God. My same notes. Like, it's the same notes. Yeah. And also, did you write that he looks like a young Christian Slater? Because that's what I wrote. (laughs) I didn't write that. I just, I didn't care for him or about him. I mean, later on in my notes, and I'm saying this in as least offensive way as possible, but I said that perhaps his, like, developmental level is not of someone who presents at his age. Yeah, maybe they're hanging out with somebody's younger brother. We don't know. Maybe they're working. Maybe maybe they're a developmental surface worker and they decided to bring the client out for the day for a lovely asylum sunbathe session. (laughs) Who knows? And then back to our group home, son. Like, what the hell? (laughs) So... Jane tries to psychoanalyze Dennis, but I can barely pay attention to anything that she's fucking saying because I am just wondering where the fuck her vagina is. She is wearing one of those (laughs) retro high crotched bathing suits where you get to see Mm -hmm. the like thigh and hip bones and there isn't a single lip in sight. I don't believe it. If anyone knows of her being in a Playboy or doing like a sex tape, please contact me with details because I need to know. What is hiding behind the dental floss? Purely scientific. Again, I called this bathing suit to you, but I will also say it out loud. It is a front thong. And there's no way that she doesn't have like skin tape because like there's no way that that tiny piece of fabric would just be balanced perfectly. I've only ever seen crotches like that on drag shows because yeah, they're tucking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways... It doesn't matter how much of her vagina is popping out because Dennis is pissed. And again, (laughs) this is where I wrote maybe a younger developmental age because he's sticking his tongue Mm -hmm. out at her. And uh, anyways, their friends aren't really paying too much attention to what's going on because mom and Kiki are cuddling. Mm. And while they're cuddling, we get this lovely little audio clip. Mom? Yes, Kiki? Give me a kiss. This parental role play is going from zero to 10, or should I say from weird 
to mommy bad touch real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, what, what happened where we jumped from just like, okay, that was a sweet sentiment. Like I I could be your mother figure, I guess, to now I'm going to call you mom and please put your tongue in my mouth. Okay. Well, you know what? If this was the last time she said it, we would probably still think it was just a cute joke, but because we've watched the movie, this is an ongoing theme. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But lucky for us, this parental role play is finished. We are spanning to the fucking mouth breather with the melty skin. <laughs> okay? There's so much breathing all the There's time. There's so much breathing and melty skin. <laughs> and he's watching... This lovely little picnic go on in the tall, tall grass with the gravel he's, and the needles. And he he's so close to them. He's so close. They There's no way they can't hear him <laughs> fucking breathing from there. <sighs> he's pulling out a newspaper article from an old-timey doctor's bag. And boom. Who is it? Judy. Yeah. And we're back to the picnic. <laughs> I love the back and forth. Ooh, is my head spinning? Just call me Reagan McNeil. Yeah, so mouth breathing, Judy. Um, I think at this point, are we getting to the point where we're putting two and two together and figuring out Kiki's mom might be Judy? Because yeah, my mom died here. My mom died here, and he's obsessed with a woman who died here. I don't know. Maybe it has nothing to do with this movie. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Oh, Jamie, I think you're just drawing conclusions based on the clues that have been laid at your feet. Right. So we are back at the condom balloon grenade fight. The (laughs) boys, I have to say, are such little bitches about getting wet. Mm -hmm. The girls, I mean, Mm -hmm. granted, they're wearing bathing suits, but still, the boys are just getting so irritated. Tina and the tots, though, however, who I am lovingly putting in brackets as... The Smoggies and the Sun <laughs> I love that show. Right? Throwback. Okay, maybe we can include a 10-second clip of the intro to that show. Yeah, for sure. back i used to sing that my whole youth to smoggy and the sun tots enjoying themselves listen to how much fun they're having (laughs) (sighs) tina is giving me jennifer coolidge vibes right there (laughs) but she's looking a little bit more like the ice cream man aka clint (laughs) howard's love child if you guys know who clint howard is you get it. If you don't, please Google Clint Howard and the resemblance is uncanny. Okay. I have in my notes, every time Tina cackles, she has to take a sexy breath right after. Like there's always a, <laughs> ooh, or a, like there's something yeah. that that's, there's happening that she can't, she hasn't quite come down from her high of always getting the last laugh or what she thinks is the last laugh. Like she always thinks she's owning people, but then there's that brevity of unsurety with the way that she breathes right after it. 
You know what it could be? It could be that like nobody else gives a shit what she says, so nobody responds. And she's getting that awkward, like, ooh, nobody's <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> she just has to keep filling the air with awkward noises. Yeah. Maybe when they were making the movie, the director was like, improv. And then, yeah. like, just was like holding on to her for too long. And then she was just like, mm, ooh, ooh. <laughs> red lipstick. <laughs> mm. I love that. I love it. It's a mess. Yeah, and I mean, my favorite part of the movie, we get a titty shot of Tina's gorgeous boobs. And I could tell those are fake titties. And considering that this movie was made in like 1987, 88, mm-hmm. that's a great boob job. Pristine um, because... 100%. I've got a little fun fact about that, those boobs. Tell, tell me. I, really? I want to know yes. everything. So Ruth Collins was actually paid $100 for her to bear her breasts in this film. I also, I love that also like Tina thinks that this is the best response to like throwing water balloons, getting them wet and then being like, hey guys, like fuck you, here are my tits and ha 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 ha. Like as if it's a punishment, like my tits, yeah. my, per- my perfect tits with the blonde hair nipples like you can tell that she's a natural blonde nipples yes oh like she's beautiful so like i'm not mad no i'm not mad i'm happy Mm -hmm. and right after the booby shot we span span back (laughs) to darnell who suddenly wants to go in alone he thinks the drummer is hot Mm -hmm. he is so fucking cringy He's horny. He's so gross. Um, Mike, a.k.a. mom, picks up the broken oh, condom God. that was shot at them, looks at Kiki and asks her a question. What do you say? But mom, that's incest. Oh, Kiki. So those are words that I just never thought I would hear so much in a movie um i'm very very surprised that it would be in this one there's just so much happening in that past scene like for the boys just looking bad for the boys when darnell says i'm gonna go in there i'm single with nothing to lose yeah like okay i mean shoot your shot that's cool and then maybe gauge the situation a little bit mom like you said that you were gonna be her caretaker And then when they were kissing earlier, when she said, like, mom gave me a kiss or whatever it was, and then he gets mad at her because she wanted to stop kissing. And then he got, he was like, Kiki, I don't understand you. Sometimes you want to kiss. Sometimes you don't. Like, there's just a vibe that these guys are kind of like, okay, well, the girls down here aren't really up to much. Let's go inside and see what these tots are saying. So Yeah, the tots are down, maybe. Either way, Darnell wants to find out. So he is entering into the asylum. On his way in, though, he just makes a quick little announcement that he's going to teach that drummer or show that drummer what it's like to be with a god. Insert, like, gagging noise here. Darnell starts hearing a tapping. Like It kind of sounds like Freddy Krueger, like, putting his claws against, like, the boiler room Mm -hmm. pieces. But anyways, this seems to be luring him closer into the building. And Darnell loves the beat so much that he decides to bust out in a rhyme. (laughs) And 
he is doing so good at like strutting his stuff. Like, I don't know if you notice it, but he uses his bottle of JD as cologne, as if that's going to get the girls going wild. That's going to just bring me back to all the times that I'm vomiting in the toilet. (laughs) So I don't know what he was thinking. But either way, it doesn't really matter what he was thinking because Darnell is no longer going to be in this movie because (laughs) in mid-rap, a pair of forceps or brain measurer, I don't know what the fuck it is. Medical tools. Either way, it comes up behind him and somehow squishes his fucking head in. And this is when we get to meet our killer, a.k.a. Mitch, and hear his first words. I hate rap music. And don't call me honey. With the assumption that Darnell is dead, we no longer need to be in that scene. And now we're back up on the rooftop with Tina and the Tots. And they are playing rooftop chess on a trash can. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so on brand. So on brand. I love it. Yeah. So we have Tina versus Rapunzel in this game. Tina makes a move and she thinks she's pulled one over on puns. That's her new name. Yeah, I love it. But no, she is counterattacked and ends up getting checkmated. I don't know if that's the proper way of saying it. Either way, she hisses. (laughs) And she announces, I hate to lose. In which I have to say, you can tell that they are used to Tina's shit based off of their lack of reaction. She seems so exhausting, but you know what? At least it's going to be a fun time. Sometimes the chessboard is everywhere. Sometimes the titties are out. You never know what to expect, but it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, 100%. Either way, Puns wants to know if the cute one is still mm-hmm. down there, a.k.a. Darnell, which she isn't. She's <laughs> hoping maybe he's on his way up to see her. Little does she know he's been held up and has already got a little head. But <laughs> you filthy little animal. Ah. Anyways, <laughs> once again, in this movie's fashion, we are in a completely different area of the asylum <laughs> in a completely different scene. We are in Mitch's TV den. <laughs> Okay, so we're in like a tiny little room with a tiny little TV, a mattress, and Mitch is in his happy place. That's all I have to say. He is watching some old black and white film. We see him from behind. For a second, I was like, is he fapping? But then I recognize that motion he makes. It's the, oh, what a long day. Ow, my back stretch. Like every dad does. Like you can just picture the like, I've been sitting in this position way too long. I need to just. And this is where I start wondering if Mitch is a psychotic killer because people keep interfering with his quiet existence. Why Mm -hmm. are you guys here interrupting his movie? Just let him watch his stories. Okay. Let him watch his Turner Classic Movies. We love TCM. Mel, I literally was going to say <laughs> he's watching his Turner Classic Movies. hundred <laughs> percent he is. Because he knows we need up. to cover. We need to cover that one movie with the, the plane. South by Southwest. South, yeah, we have to cover South by Southwest. Carrie Grant being days. chased by a plane. Why not? Yeah. So he's just loving his stories. Okay. Just having a good time. And we're back. On the roof with Tina and the Tots and Godiva, which I can't say that without thinking about chocolate. 
I know, Lady Godiva. <laughs> so, like a little fun fact, Godiva is usually a name that is, uh, I guess it's associated with the wealthy because the actual Lady Godiva was a noble woman and mm-hmm. she's most known for riding a horse completely naked with nothing but her hair covering her and again like godiva chocolates are very very rich so it's funny that we have this like very 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 far left-wing anarcho peace punk talking about socialism and and like power to the people but her name is that of like a noble woman so i just thought that the contrast is crazy for that she's probably trying to make a statement with that name for sure or she really likes chocolate (laughs) i'm not sure godiva uh, decides that she wants to go tag the loo. Mm-hmm. But that's not what she says. I just wanted to make it sound cute. But she's she wants to go, you know, spread her message downstairs in the bathrooms. And Tina tells her to take it here. Pointing at her mouth and making sexual golden showers gestures. I can't believe it. I just like this was so out of nowhere. Like Tina is a maniac and I love everything she says. Yeah, I was like, do I do an audio of this? But I was like, I can't take an audio of everything Tina says. I know. If not this, you guys may as well just be listening to us just record the movie. There's so yeah. much There's so much gold in showers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll just do it. I'll just be like, take it here. Uh. <laughs> That's it, okay? So Godiva tells Tina to fuck off. And I'm like, excuse me, are you Tommy Wiseau? You be the judge. I'm going to go scrawl some revolutionary slogans on the walls downstairs. It's my patriotic duty. You mean you got to take a non-revolutionary leap? Take it here. We'll watch. Ah, fuck you, Tina. If you see that cute guy downstairs... You tell him I'm up here waiting, breathlessly. Malcolm X would disown you. Oh, the room references are just going to happen in this. I can already tell that it's on its way. Oh, for sure. Like if we were, if you watch this and you are a movie buff and you are familiar with the room or just Tommy Wiseau, you cannot tell me that her fucking weird, constantly changing accent does not remind <laughs> you of this man who we don't know where he's from. But we Nolens. do. Nolens. Wink, wink. <laughs> he's true American. All way. Tommy's world. Godiva is making her way through the asylum, trying to find the bathroom. She is singing her song about being united or we're divided. I don't know. It sounds kind of like it's giving me like Pennywise, like not bro him, but uh, fuck authority vibes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, she's making her way towards the bathroom and she sees ooh, a men's bathroom. And she's like, no, 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 this won't do. And she writes P E. And then it looks like she's writing another P and then it pans away from her. And I thought she was like spelling peoples wrong, (laughs) but then they panned back and she was writing persons. And I was like, oh, but when they panned away, what they were panning to is our boy, Mitch, AKA no face, AKA mouth breather is actually already in the bathroom. He's washing his disgusting 
decomposing hands with open wounds like it's going to make a difference and also in the sink beside him is a vat full of cleaning acid and as somebody who is an independent professional house cleaner this isn't a thing there's no cleaning acid like anyways okay industrial cleaning acid i'm wondering i'm like maybe his hands are so fucked up because he's washing them in actual like liquid nitrogen (laughs) Literally for 10 years. Yeah. Why does he still have anything on his body? Is he alive? Is he dead? I don't fucking know. Anyways, we're not there. <laughs> so I'm going to need to see a Wimis sheet, first of all, for this cleaning acid. <laughs> uh, but Mitch hears someone coming towards the bathroom. So he decides to duck into one of the stall. And chocolate enters, aka Godiva. <laughs> And as she's entering, somebody had already written like half of the sentence for yes. her on the bathroom. I noticed that too. What was I, it again? Uh, the people united will never be defeated. Or no, wait, uh, revolution or die oh, or something. Yeah. Revolt yeah. or die. Yeah, it said revolt or. And then she just writes die. And then she hears a noise and she's like, where is that coming from? So she does what everybody does in every classic horror movie Mm -hmm. is she opens each stall one at a time. Who does that? Just turn around and run away. And of course, she gets to one last stall. And this is the point in a normal movie where the killer would just come up from behind. Like you were (laughs) expecting him to come from the stall. But no, like people are too smart for that shit so it'd be coming from behind but no not in doom asylum he is literally just standing in the stall and just jumps out and immediately starts strangling her as she's pleading with him if you're a victim of your own system it's so crazy i love how she's just political to the end yeah, she just keeps spitting out those political sentences telling him, you know, that he's his own victim and, you know, just all sorts of patriarch patriarchy comments. But then as she's being strangled and forced down towards that cleaning acid in a final ditch effort, she mm-hmm. tells him that she is a Republican and that she voted for Reagan. You fucking sellout bitch. I died. <laughs> that whole thing about her, like... Okay, hashtag first genderless bathroom, 1987. Um, She's like carving out like a new world via her graffiti on the walls. She's she's going to make it fair. She's going to make it right. And she's like, "Uh, never mind. I voted for Reagan. Please don't kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but Mitch, he doesn't give a fuck about politics. He's just killing off each trespasser one at a time so he can get back to his stories. Now, remember the cleaning acid? Well, it's a good thing he decided to pour it in a sink as it's made for a perfect death scene. Mm-hmm. And while Mitch is shoving Godiva's face into the acid and suddenly her hair is like a curly afro, <laughs> I spoke too soon. Mitch does share a political statement with Godiva's skull and we get our first of many of Mitch's breathy cackles. <laughs> I respect your First Amendment right to the political beliefs of your choice, but I don't necessarily agree. (laughs) And flash, we are back to the picnic. Jane is back on her shit and psychoanalyzing Dennis, 
who is just having a mini child meltdown because his beloved cards are wet and mm-hmm. my heart goes out to him. Poor Christian Slater. And <laughs> mom, a.k.a. Mike, is confused. Mom is confused because Darnell hasn't come back yet. And mom wants to know, should he go after Darnell, even though Darnell told him not to? And what about the coroner? And this is where I get confused because Mitch was not the coroner. So this legend has really gone off track, just like his car. Oh. Get it? And now we're back to Mitch. And Mitch is back on his shit, mouth breathing and hitting the old dirty mattress, (laughs) reminiscing jerking it cackling i don't know and cut back to the picnic mom finally decides that it is best that they go inside and we share a scene for about two or three minutes of mom walking around the asylum yeah i feel like there's just so much mom walking around the asylum and every room the -hmm. way that it's mic'd like i know that the ground's dirty but it just sounds like broken glass is what the yeah. floor is made out of. It's just crunch, 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 crunch. If you are an ASMR fan, you're going to love mm. it. Yeah, definitely. Also, too, I noticed that the walls, like the paint peeling off, when I was like looking at it, I'm like trying to imagine in my head, like imagine having a like time lapse because it's like, when does it just start happening? And like, how does it get to the point where it's literally puffing out at you? It looks like Mitch's skin literally it's so gross it's so gross and i'm like it the fact that all of the actors are still alive today likely and didn't die of asbestos poisoning (laughs) because the insides of that place are fucking rank it's exposed to the elements with all of the open windows all of the doors that don't close the fact that they even were able to film in there is cuckoo the fact that a band would trust their instruments at this point yeah that the floor wouldn't cave in on them jamming upstairs for nobody it's insane but can i take you back down to the basement while we're talking about asbestos because we have some more of the coroner he's watching a new black and white movie this time i guess he just can't choose between them or maybe there's a long lapse of time between his movies but this time it's two men one is a monster and trapped in a cage and the other is wheeling him around the house as an angry mob breaks in to get him so i started wondering are the films he's watching having any parallel synchronicity to the story that we're experiencing but i honestly might just be looking into that a little bit too much for what this movie is (laughs) outside dennis has done virtually nothing in this film except for what jamie has stated he just stares at or talks about his baseball cards no one gives a shit so we jump back inside and the coroner is now getting some sort of electrical drill set up while doing his favorite thing, heavy breathing. Back outside, one of Dennis's cards magically goes flying away. And I'm talking about like gravity does not exist in this universe. The way that this card <laughs> flies out of the deck, it's attached to a string 100%. You see it. Yeah. But like, <laughs> did the cor- <laughs> did, do- uh, did our coroner set this up? Like, no, there's no him? way. That's just, it's supposed to be it blowing in the wind. Oh, and great. It just, they couldn't capture it. 
they couldn't Incredible. capture that moment. Fantastic. So we find out that it's actually a Wade Boggs card. And the only reason why I know who this is is because of It's Always Sunny. Um, when the gang try to beat Boggs's record of drinking more than 70 beers in a single cross-country flight, which Boggs <laughs> allegedly has done. Wow. Yeah. So our character, ironically named Dennis, back to Always Sunny, um, yeah. he's placing this card around and the sound effects are of a baseball bat hitting it and the crowd going wild each time the card starts <laughs> flying away from him. Aww. Oh, like the card seemingly possessed by some ungodly force starts climbing a set of stairs into the side. Girl, I don't think that that card exists. I think he's seeing a fucking card in his head <laughs> and he's hearing the noises. It's just, it's such an insane scene. It does... You just have to watch it and not let your mind absorb too much of it because if not, it will make you need to be in the asylum permanently. So back to mom really, really quick. We check in on him. He's still creeping around the asylum looking for Darnell and he apologizes to Darnell very visibly, not near him or in any of these rooms. Um, And he says that he doesn't want to barge in on his friend. So this is something that we're going to see a couple more times. I've, I've noted about people walking into very openly abandoned rooms and just talking out loud (laughs) but before i go into that back to dennis okay dennis is now crawling up a wooden staircase he is babbling mindlessly about baseball facts he is letting us know about a star pitcher who was admitted to a hospital for seizures due to consuming six grams of cocaine so he finishes this little speech with a just say no pitch, which we know were really popular back in the 80s, that they were anti-drug campaigns were going cuckoo bananas. Reagan, yeah. Yeah, Reagan, exactly. exactly. So as he gets up into this little side room of the asylum, he gets on his hands and knees to look for Wade Boggs, and we start moving forward. First person view, we are the corner in this scene with the camera, and we start pulling out our little drill. Now, how Dennis didn't see this scabby man a mere two feet away from him just adds to the madness of this logic-defying movie. I, he looks like the wall. <laughs> He's feeling like the paint. Yeah. Camouflage. So, yeah. So Dennis starts bartering for his life and he offers up his precious deck, but it's not enough. The coroner inserts that long drill into Dennis's forehead. His skin starts twisting and cracking before unleashing Ugh. a wave of gorgeous red liquid down his spectacled face. And I thought it was perfect that he's wearing a ball cap because if they have that bloodline up and over his head, it's completely yeah. undetectable and it's delivering all of the good. So as the blood spills down all over Dennis's precious baseball cards all over the floor, the coroner lets Dennis know a little something. I love how he has catchphrases for every murder now. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. So our coroner 
slash lawyer is satisfied with his kill and he slinks back into his den and he lights some candles for some post-homicide ambience. And as he lights each one, we start recognizing what's in the center of them. It's the red dress that Judy was wearing in the (gasps) opening sequence, okay? We then pan to her severed putrid mummified hand it looks like his the manicure is barely holding on and it's just rested on top of her red dress i'm getting such lisa vibes from the room i know i'm like fuck Fuck the the dress dress. (laughs) so instead of fucking the dress mitch gently grabs the severed hand arm thing brings it up and starts caressing his face with it (laughs) as a low distorted voice repeats Help me. Help me. <laughs> Is that her soul stuck yes. in the hand? Like Also questions like, why does that hand look so beat up, Mitch? Like, I have a couple questions of why Girl, the nails aren't on. Every time we pan to him in that room watching a movie, he is definitely jerking off. Like, in With all of my hand. notes, yes. I'm like, every time they just show his face, like, ah. <laughs> He's got he's got Judy's hand in hand. Judy. Hand in love. So we get a flashback to him finding Judy in tatters after the accident. And this killed me because it's kind of inserted here as if we would not remember him grabbing and chucking that severed hand. Like when we saw the severed hand on the red dress, we remembered that he had like he'd thrown it right because that scene only happened about 30 fucking minutes ago so yeah (laughs) oh i guess our memory is not so good but you know what mom finally makes it somewhere on his quest we flash back up to the roof and i feel like we were just watching him through like walk through broken glass for at least 10 seconds between scenes so i just kind of i pushed that to the back of my mind I'm not going to talk about it. He's on the roof now, okay? (laughs) He enters loudly demanding where Darnell is. And he tells Tina to cut the crap. He knows Darnell came up here looking for them. So at this, Rapunzel gets so excited. Now she knows her fantasy man's name. Tina, however, ignores mom and takes a bite out of a fucking chicken wing before rubbing her stomach and moaning this. Delicious. Maybe your girlfriends would like to come up for dessert. Cut the crap, Tina. Got a knife? <laughs> so I'm fully enjoying Tina's openness of not only her desire for Eurolagnia, but for some same-sex relations. So Mike tells her to cut the crap again. That's his line. And she asks him for a knife, to which he calls her a bitch. And then the trash came chat oh my god <laughs> imagine me talking the trash can chess game is flipped once again so i'm not sure if rapunzel maybe got hit in the head with a chess piece or something because she suddenly just blurts out so where darnell go <laughs> what no one answers her because mom and tina get into a full-on bar fight we get a quick flash to the coroner who's also watching a fight ensue in his movie so i'm guessing that they're actually including these clips of old films because they do have some sort of place in doom asylum like somehow it makes sense yeah but it i don't know does it anyway tina is kicking the shit out of mom in the background while rapunzel is just scream fantasizing about darnell darnell oh, sounds like music 
This entire scene is fucking insane. And my favorite move is when Tina hoists Mike up on the ledge of the roof and then just punches him in the dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> just such a move. Um, <laughs> none of this is phasing our drummer in love. She decides she's going off to find Darnell and she Naruto runs the fuck into the asylum. <laughs> and not phasing her, not phasing Kiki or Jane either. Because over Mike's screams of terror as he's now hanging barely oh my off the God. edge, just clinging to the ledge of this three-story asylum, his girlfriend just asks her friend, Hey, Jane, isn't that mom up there fighting with that big, uh, the what is the lesbian word that is bad on the edge of the building? Ugh. I don't, yeah, just, it's the 80s, guys. Anyways, Kiki and Jane decide that maybe this is their opportunity to just slowly stroll towards the building because they are hearing mom screams. Tina is cackling endlessly. And Kiki, you know what? She does decide for him to just, you know, be careful, mom. And she just slowly, with no effort whatsoever, zero rush, decide to go in and save their friend. <laughs> so Kiki's creeped out by the asylum and Jane makes fun of her again uh, for being afraid of an abandoned building that's been closed for 10 years. And Jane goes on to call the building a labyrinth the symbol of inner consciousness and in the words of our friend Tommy Wiseau, you are always playing psychologist, Jane. <laughs> like she just has not given it up. We go back to Rapunzel's side quest. We get a shot of our girl in love. She's looking for Darnell, who we know has his brain forceped to death by Mitch, our lawyer turned coroner. And again, <laughs> lawyer turned coroner. <laughs> he kills me. <laughs> career change. So the theme of this movie, again, is walking into a random room of an enormous abandoned building and saying what you want to a person who is very evidently not anywhere near that room. So she tells Darnell to come out because she's just a lonely chocolate single, too. I'm like, we've got a bit of a Kit Kat situation here. <laughs> so she proceeds a bit further and she finds the person's room. Thanks, Godiva. She also finds Godiva's severed, melted head. It is hanging upside down from the ceiling from a <laughs> protruding bit of spinal cord. The flesh is bubbled. The crimp blonde hair looks like Halloween cobwebs. And the eyes are just glowing white orbs. <laughs> Rapunzel lets out a shriek and it carries up to the roof. All of a sudden, mom, who is clinging to life from the edge of the building, springs up like magic over the oh ledge. Oh my God. Like, like one hand <laughs> is just holding it's on. Just flying through the air. Like, that movie Fall that you said you like got like vertigo yeah. from, I found that this scene was more scary to me than the movie Fall. Like I didn't get that feeling up there, but this one I could actually imagine it. Fall was just so I could never imagine. Fall was it too high to for you to be like this is not realistic. It's the same way I feel like whenever I'm riding a plane or a roller coaster mm -hmm. in the way that I'm not afraid of death because I'm like. If it's going to happen, whatever, like I won't, I won't even know what happens. I'll just fucking be done. Yeah, I'm just going to explode, you know, but some, somewhere like that asylum, it's so high that mm -hmm. I know it would just be like Midsommar, oh, like a mean pencil fucking <laughs> Pull out that mallet and put you out of your misery. The family's got to be waiting below, ready to just bash your brains in. Mel, I need you to be that person. <laughs> I've, I'll get my mallet. Don't worry. <laughs> 
So anyways, back in the toilets, Rapunzel is slowly approaching the head that's hanging. It's like a bleached pinata. And I mean, me personally, I wouldn't take this route because there's nothing you can do to save this fucking head. But you can save yourself, girl. So just turn and run. But too late. The coroner comes up behind her and he throws a stethoscope around her neck because he's a doctor. And much like her soulmate, much in the same vein, the same brainwaves of Darnell, she asks if it's him. Darnell, is that you? And she tells him she just thought she could, they could have a few dates. That's all. And he then goes ahead and chokes her to the ground. And the coroner's one-liner for this one is this. Is that you, Darnell? I just thought we could have a few dates, that's all. One-on-one. Soul-to-soul. Sorry, baby. But I always die, girl. So the coroner then uses this stethoscope to listen to Rapunzel's heart as it slowly stops beating. Then he lets out Jamie's favorite laugh of his. So mom has then made it into the building. He runs into Kiki and Jane and he's really happy to see they're all right. And his beach fried brain comes to the realization that Darnell is missing and so is Dennis. And meanwhile, somewhere else, Tina has also come to the same conclusion because she's now searching for her two bandmates as well. So as the preps look for their friends, the coroner is slowly backing out of a doorway, literally five feet from them in the exact same hallway. He actually slams the door that he's like backing out into. And then they go ahead and they ask what that noise is, even though they are in reach of this door, like they could see it moving. Jane, however, decides it's Tina and her friends trying to scare them. So Jane is going off to try and find other people and randomly insert wolf howl here. Nobody even acknowledges it. There's absolutely no reason for it to be there. Are there even wolves where they are? There's no answer to any of those questions. Do wolves howl in the mid-afternoon on a bright sunny day? Like I thought that was a nighttime thing. No, no. But we have no explanation and Jane goes off and while she's walking i'm just like bernie sanders once again asking (laughs) where is jane's vagina (laughs) it's it's a miracle that that bathing suit hasn't slipped up somewhere but before i can get an answer she and tina literally walk into each other in the middle of a hallway because Mm -hmm. fuck eyes right (laughs) fuck eyes in this movie fuck looking at (laughs) people in front of you (laughs) Also, like, it, it's always empty, but you'll run into the single person in this massive abandoned building. They're going to be right next to you. Like, you time. didn't hear them for the last minute, like, crunching glass on the way up to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> or even, like, whenever you think of hospitals or, like, you know, at a school, you could hear, like, a teacher, like, the echoing. Yes, just like the, the high click, heels. Click, click, click. But just suddenly they just walk into each other and they're literally in a space that's, like... 20 feet by 20 feet (laughs) it's incredible jane doesn't want to deal with any of tina's shit she's looking for her own missing friends so she's just kind of like fuck you tina is also looking for her friends who she points out are all disappearing jane is back on her psychological bullshit and suggests that everyone is suffering from mass delusion 
<laughs> so Jane walks off and closes the door behind her. She wouldn't be caught dead canoodling with Tina. Nope. But that's okay. She isn't alone for long. Mitch <laughs> wakes up from a little power nap with a power tool and starts yeah. heading right towards Jane. Also, LOL, he has spray paint on the back of his shirt. Like Shut literally, up. you can see it's just like, uh, like it looks like it's part of a word, like just like oh, part of a letter. And I'm like, did D- Godiva manage to tag him <laughs> before their duel ended in her death? Like, <laughs> she just manages to get a little hammer and sickle on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Jane is so confident though in her delusion theory that she decides to test it out and confront this hallucination head on literally oh honey lol as mitch lowers his electric bone pizza saw ever so (laughs) slowly and cuts her fucking face in half and it's beautiful it's so chef kiss good so good so one one if i just may he pulls out that bone saw from about 20 feet away you remember earlier you were saying it reminded you of a scene where somebody's like awesome Austin powers? powers yeah they're watching it walk up to her she does that she could have turned and run she decides to sit in a chair and talk yeah. to him and my second my second uh little statement how long is that cord that he's walking for <laughs> across it's her- battery operated no <laughs> it- Anyways, that scene where he slices her face is so good. I actually went to the IMDb page. I forgot I did this. I scrolled all the way down because the face cast, everything was so beautiful. Vincent J. Guastini was in charge of the visual effects and the um, the prosthetics and everything, like your, all of the gore, the effects, special and otherwise. Shout out to that man. You deserve awards. You deserve it. It was really awesome, really realistic. The sputtering and the head movements, yeah, it was I beautiful. It a lot, chef kiss, chef kiss, and we may as well insert Mitch's one-liner for Jane in here as well. So Jane's dead. R.I.P. Jane. Rest in peace, Jane. And at that exact same moment, Tina walks back in. What she walks in on is Mitch standing over Jane's dead body. We hear mom off in the distance and Tina lucks out this time as Mitch jets off before mom enters the room. He's thinking, I'm going to kill smart, not hard. Yep. (laughs) Mom walks in. Mom is going, "Uh uh-oh, how awkward. He thinks Tina did this, that sick fuck (laughs) doesn't look good for her no he's going to get her for this or wait the cops or wait him i think (laughs) mom has a neurological disorder tbh i think he spent too much time out in the new jersey beaches and his brain is a shriveled little pizza pie at this point he is mother (laughs) tina starts explaining that there is some maniac on the loose and then we have this odd moment where Mike, a.k.a. Mom, looks like he is getting possessed and is about <laughs> to kill Tina. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it intensifies. It's just like this, like, carnal male energy is just yeah. suddenly so angry and is, like, looking at her like, I'm going to kill you. 
So the way that Tina is trying to like talk down mom and describe to him what happens, like she is either in shock or the last of her brain cells are are firing on overdrive where she's like killer uh jacket tools whatever like every last bit of power she has is put into trying to describe what's happening and i just like her brain is powered by aquanet trademark (laughs) it's the 80s but before they are about to kill tina she is saved by kiki who is yelling and looking for her mother Mm -hmm. and just then you hear kiki scream in terror as she has just found something, Mike runs, a.k.a. mom, sorry, <laughs> runs to his daughter. He is coming, but he is in <laughs> no hurry. And I have a real good idea for an Instagram reel of this moment. So if you're on Instagram, stay tuned and go check out at Boo Crime Podcast. Okay? Oh, I'm so excited to see what this <laughs> is, Jamie, because that scene fucked me up. That scene slapped, and I also have an audio for it right here. No wonder Kiki was screaming. She has found herself a dead Darnell in the bathtub. Mom explains to her that Tina must have got him too. And this sends Kiki into some kind of weird (laughs) fucking frenzy where she is literally concussing her sweet mother's head over and over again. It kind of looks like he likes it. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like exaggerated in the way that like if this was supposed to be like a horror comedy. So it's just like kind of random. It's like they haven't done this through the whole movie. It's mm-hmm. just like this like folly scene. If yes. is, that's the right word, yes. folly. I'm going to say yes. It sounds amazing. This shakes something loose because Mike tells her there is a psycho on the loose. Which is it, mom? If that's your real name. <laughs> Make up your <laughs> mind. Yeah. Like she he literally two seconds ago was like Tina did this. And now he's like, there's a psycho on the loose. <laughs> Anyways, the beating continues for a while longer. (laughs) (laughs) And we cut back to our old black and white movie. We need to find out the name and cover it is what I wrote in here. I have the exact same note. I'm like, is this a werewolf movie? Well, um, I realized at the end of it, he said Mr. Like Sweeney Todd or whatever. So I'm like, this is old school Sweeney Todd. You know what? I actually have a little a little uh, fun fact if I want to go scroll my notes. So I actually discovered, based on typing that out, mm-hmm. um, I found this from the website gonewiththetwins.com. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the lengthy clips from this film, I forgot I included these notes, they are the films of Todd Slaughter. They are The Murder in the Red Barn, The mm-hmm. Crimes of Stephen Hawke, and Jamie, you called it the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And the Gone with the Twins website writer says that all of these clips surely boast greater entertainment than Doom Asylum. Such a read. Such <laughs> oh a read. Oh my God. <laughs> Ouch. They must not have like credited them or something to piss <laughs> them off that bad. That is such shade. Ooh. Such shade. I know. Get an umbrella. I wish I had all the tea about 
this whole situation. <laughs> Give me all uh, Jarnell. I just think the drama is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> drama is so hot right now. So hot right now. <laughs> okay, so. Mitch laughs along with the old man in the film that we're watching and his laugh, the way he kind of like looks up, but he also looks like he's smelling his fingers. Yeah. He is hanging out on his mattress again. So is he trying to remember Judy's smell or is he smelling his own butthole? (laughs) I don't know the answer, but he sure is having a blast doing it is all I have to say. Um, Mitch also at this moment we find out has a pet mouse who is super loud and annoying but also gets to live and he also has liquid anesthesia mm, Anesthesia Can I just say that I collect I'm just so happy he didn't eat that mouse because I thought that that's what they were going to do I was so happy he didn't just put that mouse in his mouth and just chomp on it I was just waiting for him to like smash his hand over it mm-hmm. is what I in his head, in my head but anyways he just doesn't even acknowledge it and collects his liquid anesthesia and uh yeah we pan back to tina and she just discovers the bathroom that her friend godiva was in which now has puns aka rapunzel in the tub Mm -hmm. and perhaps on top of darnell because he was literally just yeah so she looks a little propped so maybe that's what they're insinuating. And Godiva is just a head now that is impaled on a metal pipe. <laughs> I also like how Tina was getting so angry about where her friends were. Like she literally just saw the zombie coroner kill a victim basically in front of her. Mm-hmm. Clearly your friends are not alive also and just leave. But she just kept searching anyways. Yeah, no. <sighs> Anyways, we now. <laughs> oh, no. I have to take a breath before every scene because I'm just like, and now we're over here and it's so extreme. <laughs> so we are suddenly back with Kiki and mom praying in the creepy abandoned asylum church room, praying for sweet dead Darnell and Jane and Danny, <laughs> who is still missing. Yeah. Oh, hope he's all right, though. Now, how they cannot hear the mouth breather (laughs) once again coming down the hallway is beyond me. But Mitch is back and he spots Kiki and he looks at her longingly. Oh, God. And who wouldn't? She's beautiful and she's got brains. Just listen to this beautiful prayer she makes. And I'd just like to add, God, that if we make it through this, I'll give you anything you want. Money, sex, a charge card of bloomies. Incredible. It was, it's just, it so beautiful, so touching. And in the background of all this happening, Mitch is preparing the anesthesia <laughs> by filling up a giant needle with the liquid. Also Sorry, struggling to fill it up. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. He's using one hand. Like yeah, the thumb can only so push so far, bro. Anyways, how did he get so much blood on his back suddenly is my next question. Because before this, he had a tag line of red. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, he's just covered in it on the back. 
Sorry, this movie is full of inconsistencies and plot holes. Yeah. Learn the press. <laughs> Anyways, I don't remember what I did and why I recorded this, but there's an audio here. <laughs> So, yeah, it just sounds like he's having a good time for whatever he just did. Rock and roll. <laughs> Rock and roll. And we have Tina again. And Tina is ready for war. Tina collected a large pipe and she is hunting mm-hmm. Mitch. And we pan back to mom and Kiki. <laughs> they are still walking around. And when I say walking around, I mean, I fast forwarded like five times in a row. It's no just urgency. Them. Zero urgency to get out of there. Just walking. Mm-hmm. All right, people, we are getting to the home stretch. The next few minutes are a menagerie of Kiki and mom <laughs> walking and Tina prowling for revenge. Okay. Mike and Kiki are then ambushed by Mitch and his giant syringe that it is embedded deep into sweet mother's neck. <laughs> Mommy is out. Kiki then screams intensely while gently volumizing her hair. Oh my Crunch God. that do girl. She's just like given volume, giving fucking teasing and screaming. My and- notes are twirl those curtain bangs, honey. Right? <laughs> And Mitch is suddenly everybody's stoner dad. Relax and go with the flow. Mitch, who has now abducted Kiki, has tied her to one of those like flippy tables. Like it kind of looks like, like, Mm. you know, those back muscle stretchers. So it's like you can angle it anyway. Like a torture bed. I don't know. Either way. Maybe for the shock treatment bed. Maybe, maybe. Um, she is left alive while Mitch tends to something very important. Once again, he is mouth breathing his way <laughs> down the fucking hallway to go clutch, catch another fucking movie in his special <laughs> little room. He, he, he has to take a break. Like, that's why I'm saying... He's like jerking off every time he's watching this shit because it's like he gets too excited somewhere and he's like, sorry, I'll be right back. I have to go like rub one out to my favorite black and white film because I'm getting too excited. I have no idea. So anyways, random cutscene to the movie again. I swear he's jerking off. It has to be some <laughs> sexual compulsion and he fucking loves Sweeney Todd. Okay. <laughs> But he seems to get his fill, and he's back on the move, back to the autopsy room. But who is this? Mom! Mom is alive! Mom is crawling in the hallway. Mitch finds this very comical, and we are blessed again with another cackle. And we are back in the autopsy room. Incredible. Mitch is is now carrying mom. I don't know what happened Mm. in between Mitch is now carrying mom. And straps mom onto the same autopsy table. Can I? Can that I? He was in <gasps> when he returned from the dead. Oh my god! Okay, one amazing catch. You were getting the real stuff. I have a graffiti tracking. Okay, mm-hmm. there's the name Tina over that slab table with a pair of tits underneath it. Whoa! Easter egg. Mm. Mitch then makes a funny regarding killing doctors and not having malpractice insurance 
and we quickly cut to Tina strolling around and then quickly back to Mitch and he is cutting off mom's toes one at a time. Uh. He is saying this little piggy went to the market, this little piggy went home and every time he cuts a toe he screams except for one time he literally just was quiet during one he might have passed out exactly (laughs) i think he might have passed out because he is for sure coming in and out of consciousness pan back to (laughs) tina walking around looking for everyone fashion walk just fashion walk and we get a clip which i did not save but all (laughs) i have to say is it is the beginning of wipeout you know the song Wipeout? Yes. It's literally that first, like. <laughs> wipeout. But like, it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe I spoke too much weed. I just have to say in that moment, I thought, are there ghosts in this movie too? And we just don't meet them. Cause like mm-hmm. we continue to see like laughter and like yelling happening in rooms where people aren't at. And I'm like, is this something that's just going on in Mitch's head? Cause he's fucking an insane dead person. Yeah. Or is it all, is all this victims maybe? Or all of the asylum people. Yeah. Anyways, Tina arrives and Tina is a, bad bitch i personally would have left once i found my dead friends Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. she squares up with mitch good on her revenge is always a good idea unless it backfires oh god (laughs) and the person you save aka kiki from the clutches of mitch is a fucking moron Mm -hmm. because as they're about to leave and exit tina gets stuck on a knob on some industrial machine and is pushed onto the conveyor belt where she is stuck and heading towards some sort of compactor. Why this isn't an asylum, I have no fucking idea. But she is going towards it. And Kiki is standing there screaming, what do I do? She literally is just useless. Just useless. Like the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, R.I.P. Tina, even though you have like 10 minutes to be saved, it's not going to happen, honey. I'm not even going to talk about the fact that it was a single switch that turns this machine off. Yeah. What I was distracted by is like we've got darker things to worry about than these recent murders because I think they were doing something really fucked up to the patients here at this asylum. <laughs> you want to talk right. about what this machine does and what it spits out? Yeah, the only thing I could think of is because it's such a huge building, there's a lot of garbage. Mm -hmm. And to, like, keep control of it, like, they have to compact it in order. So either either way, let's just leave our imaginations to it. (laughs) So, yeah, my last note there is, Kiki, I want to punch you. All right. My my note is Tina comes out in a meat cube with heels and a random spring and a hand sticking out. What was the spring? (laughs) Where, where, what part of her was spring? It's like part of her belt or something. <laughs> <laughs> Giant know. coil. Okay, take it away. Take it away. Okay, uh, things are getting even more exciting because Mitch is chasing Kiki. They are running and he finally catches up to her, calling her Judy. <gasps> Kiki is like, not me, bro. That is not me. And he is persistent and she's like, hey, maybe I need to go with this because... 
I don't know what the fuck to do. So she's like, okay, yeah, I'm Judy. And then, oh, trigger warning for just cringe and grossness and like, ugh. He's just kind of like gently removing her like shirt, but she's still wearing a tank top, but like pushing her sweater aside. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's just giving me such gross things. I just want to like skip over it. It's kind of gross. Well, yeah, because he would have been her stepdad, but he wanted to ship her off to the, the boarding school or whatever, right? Well, yeah. So she's like grossed out as well. And she runs off and he just like collapsed to the ground at the picnic area that they were all <laughs> hanging out with earlier and is like crying. And I love that in the notes that you allowed me to follow, you wrote sad picnic because mm -hmm. it's a perfect way to describe it. And this is what it sounds like. My mother. <laughs> you did all this for me, didn't you? <laughs> You really loved my mother, didn't you? We had it all. We were going to live together. Be happy together. Yeah, and you were going to send me to boarding school while you and Mom hightailed to Palm Beach, you slime. When she said, you did this all for me, oh, you really loved her, like, meaning her mother. Yes. Um, How the fuck would he have set all of that up? Like, how would he have somehow managed oh. to get them all to this abandoned asylum where there's, like, yeah, phones, email, like, text message? I don't fucking think so. I know. And, like, there's no setting up. But anyways, you were going to send me to boarding school? Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. You were going to send me to boarding school? This is my favorite part of the whole movie. I probably said that three times already. But <laughs> seriously, I love this character arc. Just yes. like we've mentioned in the last film. Oh, no. That, that was a character dip. That was a character <laughs> dip. And this is kind of a dip, too. Because she literally did not give a fuck that this guy just killed all of her friends but the moment she thinks back and is triggered by the fact that he wanted to send her to boarding yeah. school, she fucking stabs him in the eye, killing him. With what, JB? The broken handle of the mirror that she found of her mom's randomly from 10 years before. Exactly. Thank you for reminding me. But holy fuck. It's just, it's so funny. And then she just goes off like she's a final girl. She... Literally, her whole role in this whole movie, she probably had five lines. She just <laughs> fucking ran around screaming, playing with her hair, and leaves as, as the final girl. Like, she just, like, it's like the whole movie, she was playing dumb. And yes. at the end, it's like, you know in um Scary Movie where he's, like, playing doofus? Mm -hmm. But then at the end, he just takes off the jacket and he's all, like, slick and sexy yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And he's just, like, it was his idea the whole time. Like, that's what I imagine with Kiki at the end. The whole yeah. movie, she's just like, Mom, what do I do? <laughs> and then at the end, she's all like, you want to send me to boarding school, you fuck? 
like she secretly set this all up to kill him but also speaking of mom um Mm -hmm. he's probably still alive he only lost a couple of toes like (gasps) i go get him (laughs) mel i never even thought of that i i completely forgot that mom existed once tina turned into a fucking cube with a spring (laughs) (laughs) the meat cube was probably the highlight of this movie um also uh, my maybe like last tidbit of this yep. whole thing is that our leading lady Judy slash uh, Kiki, Kiki were both played by Patty Mullen, and she later plays B movie starlet extraordinaire Frankenhooker. So that's something <gasps> I'd love to cover one day. I'd love to see her come back in our lives. I love it. We haven't done anything crime related yet, and we are called Boo Crime. So I think that it would probably be a good time, now that we've done a couple horror movies, to throw in a true crime. Let's do it. I sent you a couple trailers, but I've been thinking possibly we could do Holy Hell. My name is Will Allen. I started making movies when I was 13. I went to film school, and three weeks after graduating, my sister introduced me to her spiritual teacher, and my whole life took a different path. It was the middle of the 80s, and we wanted something different. They were so alive, living from their heart, and playing, and jumping in ice-cold rivers, and hiking through the forest at night, and oh my god, I want me some of that. We started it. This is what we wanted. It was our little utopia. And we were all there because of this one man. He's very charismatic, like a child, very playful. He could dance, he was artistic, he was all those things we all wanted to be. He was just this beautiful, silent entity. And I said, I would follow you anywhere. My films elevated him to the role of an awakened master. He spoke as if he had gone into the cosmos and come back. He said, what are you willing to give up to know God? It's not like we were forced to be there. We wanted to be there. He always told us we're an anti-cult. I was hallucinating, colors were moving around him, and I thought, I found it. I really felt like I had a purpose in my life. He just became stranger and stranger and more paranoid and more possessive. You can't say no. No is against the rules. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be God. If you can't stand naked in front of your master, you can't stand naked in front of your God. It's the scientific, rational explanation for this madness. It was so hard to believe, but I trusted him. I never dreamed it would happen like this. I thought we would be together our entire lives. Mm. It is a documentary and it's not a series it's only an hour and a half documentary movie based off of um a cult that we will get into once we actually do the movie so before we wrap up here because holy fuck we just did the mind melting fever dream that is doom asylum what would you give this little fucking puppy a rating on imdb i think that i would give this 
a seven. I would give it a solid seven too, but I low-key rated it 10 because it brought me such joy. But if I'm being serious, I'd say six and a half or seven. Well, exactly. It's one of those things that if we were actually rating it on somewhere, I would want to rate it a 10 because I'd want everybody to see it. But mm-hmm. is it a 10 in movies that I've seen forever? Not even no. close. It was shot over a period of eight days straight, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. So yeah, 90K over eight days. Like, yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I love it though. I do too, and I hope you guys did too. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it, like, do it. Get it's free. Your ass on it, exactly. Not don't do the YouTube one though. But yeah, if you have you- to do do it. <laughs> That's all you got. Give it. Yeah, a little bit of nothing, a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> yeah, hold it once. Boo bye.